This is episode number 205. Take charge of your hormones with registered dietitian Allison Tierney. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. If we can ditch dairy, for example, we can help naturally regulate our hormones. But what is most important about a whole food plant-based diet and how it relates to fertility, autoimmune, cancer, etc., it's not just about what you remove from your diet, it's also about what you add to your diet. When you add the whole food plant-based products, you're going to be adding high amounts of fiber. Big thank you for joining us today on the show and... It's so crazy whenever I think back that this show has been going for over three years, every single week for three years. And I am so thankful that you guys have been listening to the show and new listeners have even been going back and listening since episode one. And that is pretty amazing. I learned something new from every single episode, and that has been so fulfilling for me and also to get your messages. So thanks for sending those messages. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends. And if you don't want to miss another episode, make sure that you hit the subscribe button. And guess what? I have a weekly newsletter. You can go to sonyalooney.com newsletter that I am constantly evolving to make better for you. And currently, I have been posting my thought of the week, a journal stem, and also the podcast. So make sure you sign up, sonyalooney.com newsletter. Before we get into this week's guest, I wanted to invite you guys to join my free Facebook group. We have changed the name from Plant Powered Tribe to Plant Powered Academy. So join us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook groups and search Plant Powered Academy with Sonia Looney. And we also have an Instagram page. So let's talk about today's guest. Allison Tierney is a registered dietitian and board certified in oncology nutrition and started her own business, Wholesome LLC, back in 2015. Her passion for nutrition and healthy lifestyle is obvious in her work and her social media and her care for her clients and her desire to always keep learning also shines through. Allison is board certified in oncology nutrition. She is multi-passionate in nutrition and her expertise goes far beyond cancer and involves helping others with the management of chronic diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and autoimmune diseases. And Allison also is wanting to help if you just want to change your diet, if you just want some advice, you don't have to have a chronic disease to work with her. So check out Wholesome LLC if you're looking for a little bit of extra help when it comes to plant-based diets. And I love her story. Many of us tend to weave through different experiences in our life before we find our path. And hey, sometimes our path changes once we think we found it. And Allison is no different. In school, she initially studied business and was a college athlete. And as an athlete, like all of you guys may know, she is aware that nutrition was important for fueling long practices and game days for optimal physical performance. But she wasn't thinking about nutrition in terms of disease prevention and longevity. By the time she finished her business degree, her interests had started to change. And her husband, who was her boyfriend at the time, encouraged her to switch to nutrition while they were in college. But she felt like it was too late to switch because she had already invested all that time. And I can attest to that feeling. I got my master's degree in electrical engineering, and I definitely am not an electrical engineer anymore. (laughs) But take it from both of us. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to go after that thing that you're interested in. She took one nutrition course, and that was in her last year of college, and realized that she had found her path. She went back to school to pursue a second bachelor's degree in dietetics. Yes, she went back to school for a second bachelor's degree, and her interests also changed from dietetics to oncology nutrition as cancer started claiming the lives of her family members. And if that wasn't enough, she got her Master of Science in Nutrition with a nutrition and fitness concentration. So she has a wide range of skills and she can help pretty much anybody. While Allison is an expert in using nutrition to treat chronic diseases, we actually went a different direction in this podcast because we've talked about using plant-based diets to treat different chronic diseases, 
many, many times over. And I'm really excited for you guys. If you haven't heard them to go back, you can find those episodes by going to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts. And in the drop down, you can select plant-based for a topic. So in this episode, we actually talked about hormones as she was featured in Neil Barnard's book, Your Body in Balance. And that is one of my favorite books that came out. I think it came out last year. But the book is all about hormones and hormone regulation and things like fertility issues, polycystic ovarian syndrome and menopause and also having your kids eat plant based has come up a lot in questions from my listeners and friends. And the fertility question has come up a lot, particularly because I had a baby four months ago and was plant based through my entire pregnancy. And currently, in fact, I've been plant based since 2013. And Allison has a lot of experience in this realm here too, as I mentioned, because she was featured in the book. And her story is that she was actually unable to get pregnant. She was trying and nothing was working until she changed to a whole foods plant-based diet. And I've heard this story many times over from other people who were having difficulty getting pregnant, changed their diet. There's so much information about how plant-based diets help with hormone regulation. And in fact, your gut is also responsible for hormone regulation. It is part of the endocrine system. So I think you're going to really find a lot of value in this podcast. Some things we talked about were Allison's fertility journey, whole foods, plant-based diets, and hormone regulation. Things like eating low-fat organic dairy, if that's okay. We talked about soy products, eating beans. We talked about top cancer fighting foods as she is an oncology dietitian. And we also talked about how to actually change your diet because that's a big question I get is, Sonia, I have all this information, but how do I actually make changes? So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And if you want more, you can contact Allison at wholesomellc.com. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Plant Powered Academy, where everybody helps answer everybody else's questions as well. Thank you to everyone who is supporting my work financially on Patreon and PayPal. You can do that if you go to the show notes page or just go to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts. We super, super appreciate your monthly contributions or one-time donations as they help pay for the audio production of this show to keep it sounding crisp and amazing and try to keep this podcast as professional as possible. So here is Allison Tierney. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was so fun just before we hit record. I just wanted to just hang out and talk all day, but then I realized we got work to do here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I feel like I could do that with so many people. (laughs) So I guess we'll just jump right into what we were just talking about. I was saying how I love the book, Your Body in Balance by Dr. Neil Barnard and how I think that's a book that a lot of people haven't heard of yet, and it's about hormones and eating a whole foods plant-based diet. And that's really near and familiar to me as somebody who just had a baby and who's breastfeeding and all those things. And with my pregnancy and and postpartum, I've talked about how I really think that my plant-based diet has helped, number one, help me get pregnant really fast, helped a healthy pregnancy, helped lots of great things in postpartum go well. So let's talk about your story in relation to the book. And then I want to talk about like your story as a dietitian on top of that. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So yeah, my journeys together as a dietitian and my fertility journey kind of like intertwine quite a bit back and forth. So but how it first started, I actually didn't grow up eating a plant based diet, I would say what you would consider was a standard healthy diet where it was focusing on, you know, fruits and vegetables, really didn't have any beans in it, though. I tried to choose whole grains as much as possible. But there was still meat and low fat dairy, you know, making that better choice, which I thought was a better choice and so forth. But then as I got a little bit older, so I actually have a business degree, I went to college for business leadership and management. So my desire and passion for nutrition actually started as sports performance, because I was an athlete through college, which I know is something that you know, is really important for you. But I just want to know how could I feel my performance? What sport? You know, a softball player. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I played that. But then when I was in college, my mom was unfortunately diagnosed with breast cancer. My grandfather was diagnosed and passed away from liver cancer. And then my other grandmother passed away from lung cancer. And then my other grandmother was also a breast cancer survivor. So lots of these diagnoses started happening. And my interest started changing from sports performance over to chronic disease and cancer. 
So during that time, I actually decided to go back to school, became a registered dietitian, and wanted to learn everything I could about oncology nutrition for those reasons. But during that own my own time in becoming an oncology dietitian, I set out to review the research as much as possible to better help my patients. And as I was turning up more and more of the research, I was coming across the plant-based diet more and more. And yeah, we had talked about that during dietetic school, you know, what a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, but I kind of had this mindset that that was maybe an extreme ex- approach and I didn't really give it much thought. But as I was reviewing more and more of the research, I thought to myself, man, there, there's definitely something to this. And the different books that I read and the research that I kept digging into helped me look at what I was doing and therefore also help what my patients were doing as well. So I started practicing the plant-based diet with my patients a little bit more. And then I thought to myself, man, I really should be doing, I should really be doing this too. So mine started off kind of slowly where I I used to, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin, which is the dairy state and dairy is huge here, as you could imagine. So I stopped drinking the milk at dinner time and stopped drink, eating the yogurt, you know, for lunchtime, et cetera, and slowly made those changes. It was about that time where my husband and I were started struggling with infertility and I was diagnosed with PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it didn't really surprise me that I was diagnosed with that because of family history. And also ever since I had my period as a teenager, super irregular, very heavy, also had horrible acne. I mean, you name it, I had everything that came with it. So I wasn't quite surprised, but really the next part that was hard was what do we do next? So started on certain medications like metformin, which is like the first line of treatment for PCOS. It's actually, it uses a diabetes medication, but because PCOS has insulin resistance in the background, um, that's kind of where it starts off. And started doing a few medications and nothing was changing. Nothing was improving. And as I was going on this journey of working with my cancer patients and the plant-based diet and infertility in our own family, I got to the point where I talked to my husband And I said, you know what, before we move on to further treatments, further, more invasive, hard medications and so forth, I really want to give this whole food plant-based diet a hundred percent go just to see if it can help us. And I, you know, I told him I did my research. It's safe in pregnancy. It's safe after pregnancy. And his response was, you know, nothing less than incredible and supportive and saying, whatever you think will help, I will support you in it. And I kind of told him too. This is one of the biggest questions a lot of people get me is like, did your husband do it with you? Well, the approach that I took is I said, I don't necessarily need you to do it with me, but I would like your support in it. And that process kind of led to where he was starting to add. He had a little bit of meat and dairy in his diet, and I would still buy those things for him if I went to the grocery store. But slowly, it just trickled out of his diet, too, because I told him he could have it, but he'd have to make it himself. So um, and he was totally on board with that. So and actually, what's really amazing is after three weeks of fully adopting the whole food plant based diet, and keep in mind, I had slowly been reducing things out of it, we conceived three weeks later and ovulated for the first time in like a year and a half, which I was taking ovulation tests for a very long time. And Never had a positive until that time. And I was like, wait, what is this? (laughs) And had a very healthy pregnancy with a beautiful baby girl who now three and a half. And we raise her plant-based as well. And then from there, it was like this light switch just turned on and stayed on and kept with the plant-based diet. And now I teach the plant-based diet to my patients who um, are commonly cancer patients or people that are just looking to reduce the risk of developing in the first place or even recurrence and of all the sorts. And I work with a couple other chronic diseases as well. And the stories that I've seen you know, another very personal one for me is that my twin sister was diagnosed with lupus in 2013. And, you know, thankfully, I can tell you that she is completely in remission. We had her change her diet over to a plant-based one as well. And she just had a baby five or six weeks ago now, very healthy, no flares with lupus, um, and doing really, really well. So I'm really fortunate to be able to see such incredible success stories all across 
the board when it comes to changing to plant-based, whether it become, you know, autoimmune diseases, cancer, and even infertility like myself. Yeah. And something I was listening to, Dr. Gregor's How Not to Diet. I have that audiobook and the hardcover as well. And for people listening, his audiobook is actually 24 hours long. And it's your and Dr. Gregor is in full character for that book. Like it's awesome. And that book is more about obesity, but there was some stuff about hormone regulation as it relates to obesity and also as it relates to fertility in men and how important it is for men to be eating. Like if you're trying to conceive, men need to be eating a whole foods plant-based diet because everything is intertwined. Like like you said, like lupus, cancer, fertility. Uh, we just talked about obesity. Like the entire system functions as one. It's, it's not reductionist. So it's so awesome. I love the story because I've actually had women reach out to me as somebody who also had a baby recently about fertility. And I said to them, like, I'm not an expert in fertility, but then I checked out Dr. Neil Barnard's book. And then I'm so excited to talk to you so we can talk about why a whole foods plant-based diet affects hormone regulation. So could you talk about that? Yeah, so there are several different ways and how a whole food plant-based diet improves hormone regulation. So when we're talking from the standpoint of the first thing that I always like to talk about is dairy. Dairy, for many people, especially the people that I work with, dairy is one of the hardest things for them to reduce or give up. But I also think it's one of the most important. And then one of the biggest reasons for that is related to the hormones that are found within dairy. Because the reason for that is that it doesn't matter if it's organic, grass-fed, free-range, etc., no hormones added. Hormone production, especially sex steroid hormones like estrogen and progesterone, etc., are a natural byproduct of animal metabolism. So that means is that those hormones are just naturally found within those products, especially within the dairy products. And that's because milk, for example, cow's milk is meant for a cow to feed its calf and grow very large, very quickly. Those hormones are should be expressed to that cow. But when it's expressed to us as humans, what doesn't happen is we have what's called a natural feedback loop. Okay, this natural feedback loop is that your body says, oh, we've produced enough estrogen and progesterone, like we're just going to stop here because it's at a good balance. But if you bring exogenous or outside sources of those hormones in from like cow's milk, for example, your body cannot play a role in that natural feedback loop. It can't say, oh, there's more coming in. We need to slow this production. It can't take care of that. So then what you do is you get excess. And one thing that way that it really impacted me was acne, horrible acne as a teenager, went on birth control for the purpose of PCOS, acne cleared up. And then when my husband and I decided to start having a family, got off of it, acne just raced back. And But a lot of that is because of those extra hormones that are found within the dairy. And as soon as I started reducing dairy, it started getting a little bit better. But as soon as I got rid of it, it I mean, it got so much better. Not to say that I don't ever have it anymore, but it is way better. I wouldn't even take pictures of it of myself or allow myself to be in pictures before because it was so bad. So that's one of the ways. One of the other ones is also called IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor. This is a growth factor, right? So this can actually lead to that hormone dysregulation. And this is where cancer can result too, because it's uncontrolled cell growth. So if we can ditch dairy, for example, we can help naturally regulate our hormones. But what is most important about a whole food plant-based diet and how it relates to fertility, autoimmune, I mean, any cancer, et cetera, it's not just about what you remove from your diet. It's also about what you add to your diet. Because when you add the whole food plant-based products, you're going to be adding high amounts of fiber. Okay. Fiber, what that does is it's not just about having a healthy bowel movement. There's so much more to that. Part of it is that when you have fiber, let me say that again. So when you have excess hormones, what actually happens is your liver filters a bunch of things out. It filters out toxins, excess hormones, a lot of different things. Now, when it gets rid of those things, it goes through the bile duct and into our GI tract. Okay. Now, if with those extra hormones are within our GI tract, 
and so is the fiber, the fiber essentially picks it up, gobbles it up and takes it out through stool. So you are getting rid of those excess hormones. Instead, if you don't have the fiber there, those excess hormones just get reabsorbed into the body. And again, you have this very big cyclic, it just keeps happening and happening. You have all these excess hormones. So again, it's not just taking out what increases your hormones. It's also about improving what those natural balance can be. That's a really great way of explaining it. And I think that that will clear up a lot of confusion for people. Um, I also want to plug Dr. Will Bolsowitz's book, Fiber Fueled, and he's been a, a previous yeah. guest on this podcast. I have a couple questions that I'm sure people are, are thinking in their heads about dairy. So first of all, people are probably thinking, well, I only eat organic dairy. So am I still getting hormones in organic dairy? Yes, unfortunately you are. And it's because of the natural byproduct of the metabolism of animals. So it doesn't matter. You might have a little bit less exposure through like organic or grass fed, but you still have a high amount of exposure related to it. So unfortunately, yes. And the same goes for low fat dairy or, or, or no fat dairy, right? Yeah, well, there's some research that shows that the low fat dairy can actually be even worse too, oh, wow. um, in terms of how much extra hormones it can carry. So I just I always definitely recommend reducing greatly or trying to eliminate dairy from the diet. And it's also most people tell me like, oh, I could do without milk, but I could never do without cheese. Cheese is actually the worst because it's very, very concentrated within the cheese. And if people are listening or saying, okay, well, I'm trying to work on my fertility specifically. I'll cut out all dairy, but I'm still going to eat meat. Is that okay? Well, I think it kind of needs to depend on what the goals are for an individual and that individual where they are, because I do believe as much as I would love for someone to have a whole food plant-based diet, not everybody's ready for that leap, depending on where they are. So I always like to think about it as a spectrum. So on one end, you have a whole food plant-based diet, which is, let's say, the most perfect diet. And from research, we know is the healthiest diet to have. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have a standard American diet that's full of fast food, frozen pizza, high fat, you, you, you name it, right? So even if someone starts somewhat in the middle, any step they take closer to the whole food plant-based side of the spectrum, the greater improvements that they'll have. So for me, for example, I didn't just turn the switch from one night to the other and be completely, you know, standard healthy diet over to whole food plant-based in one night. It was a gradual process for me. And I've actually worked with some people that they literally just like, okay, I'm done with it. And they make that decision. But for a lot of people, they don't just make that quick switch. So if somebody wants to say like, okay, I'm going to ditch dairy, but I'm still going to eat meat. I think that's a great improvement in the process. Now you can take that a step further by reducing the meat from your diet and greater improve your fertility chances as well. Yeah. So it sounds like if you want the best possible chance at whatever your health goal or health outcome is, as close as you can get to a whole foods plant-based diet is where you want to be. But I mean, to me, it seems like if you really want that thing, if you really want to get pregnant, if you really want to lower your blood pressure, if you really want to not be diabetic anymore, it seems like you need to be, for those extreme cases, 100% in order to get there. Otherwise, you're kind of like almost getting there, but you're not quite pushing yourself over the edge. C can you get there without going 100%? Well, and I think it really depends on the individual and what their health status is. You know, some people might just need a little bit of push in their fertility, right? Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, and keep in mind that diet is, and, and, and you know, this is not the only factor, right? Diet, physical activity, stress, like all of these play a role, sleep. So it might not be the only thing that they need, but do I believe, and based on the research, if we can get them to be as whole food as possible as quickly as possible, they'll likely have better outcomes sooner than later. But of course, there's no guarantee in any like cure of disease. But we do know from research that it has a great benefit. And for me, for example, pregnancy was my goal. So for me, that was enough to push me to do 100%. Mm -hmm. And with the hundreds of people that I've worked over the years, you get to see these different mindsets of people in terms of where they are with their disease state and how far they'll take it. Because, you know, some people, they don't want to make that change and that's their choice. And I'm always here to help people, you know, encourage them and educate them about why making a certain choice would help them. 
giving them the tools to help them do it and then motivate the, motivating them to keep going forward. So it's very individualized, as you can imagine. And I think everyone's motivation factor is different. You know, talking to you, Sonia, is like, you know, a pro bicyclist, right? Not that many people, you know, you may, some people have the talent to be a pro athlete, but some people don't have the work ethic to be a pro athlete, right? And vice versa, you got to have both of those things. So it's kind of, you got to have the will and the desire to, to push forward too. Yeah. I think something interesting you said that I want to touch on was you said that you're a dietitian and this is before you went plant-based and the diet you're eating is probably really similar to what most people listening to this podcast eat. Like they try to limit the junk food. They're probably eating low fat dairy. They're trying to eat quote cleaner versions of, of meat, but you are still having problems with fertility. And I think that that's something that is a bit of a disconnect because people will think, well, I exercise and I eat pretty clean. So therefore, I don't need to change my diet in order to achieve a health outcome. And I was exactly the same way. And I like I was a pro athlete and I was eating that way. And I thought, well, changing my diet is probably not going to make that big of a difference. But when I saw forks over knives and I, I hadn't had any deaths in my family from cancer at that time, but I was afraid of getting cancer and it just seemed like everybody dies of cancer and what a terrible way to go, even though that's not the number one killer of people. It's heart disease. So I changed my diet for those reasons because I was afraid of getting cancer. And then my performance increased, which is not something that I was expecting to have happen. And it's because our body is a system and everything gets better. So for the people listening who are like, yeah, well, I that's me. I eat, I eat clean. I eat low fat dairy. But like, I just I don't like beans. Like, I don't want to add in beans. I don't want to have bad gas. And like a, a joke that someone sent me because <laughs> I post pictures of the food that I'm eating because people are curious, like, what do you eat on a daily basis? They're like, I would be pooping myself for days if I ate like that. Like, what do you say to those people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can definitely get that. I mean, one of the biggest concerns for people is definitely gas. And research shows that when you start eating more beans in your diet or higher fibrous diet, yes, you truly will. You'll have a little bit more gas. But research shows that after two weeks, that subsides to a more normal amount. But the other thing about that is what people notice when they do transition to a whole food plant-based diet from even just like the standard healthy diet, eating clean and so forth, is that their bowel movements are greatly improved. And you know what, as an oncology dietitian, I need to emphasize to people that your bowel movements are incredibly important. They are a picture of your health. You know, I remember ha having one patient who um, she said, you know, it's just normal for me to poop just once a week. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> even if it's normal for you, that's not a good thing because you're risking, you're risking having increased risk for colon cancer. So it's one of those things is that it's so much more than that and having a healthy bowel movement every day. And you know what, even using the bathroom two to three times per day can actually be normal on a whole food plant-based diet. But what I highly recommend for those individuals is start slowly. You shouldn't go from having, let's say 25 grams of fiber a day, which is the minimum recommendation that 3% of Americans meet, but you don't go from 25 grams per day to 70 grams per day. Like you will have GI issues then start slowly, add a little bit more, you know, try a quarter cup of beans and then add a half a cup of beans and do it slowly over a, the course of a couple weeks. And you'll notice that your GI system is going to be much better tolerated and moving forward. You're just going to improve greatly from that standpoint. Yeah, and something that I had uh, Matt Resigno, who's another plant-based dietitian on, it was actually year one of this podcast, but he said that people don't chew their food enough and to make sure that you chew, especially when you're eating high fiber foods. Yeah, totally agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was funny because the beans thing, like you said, I actually didn't eat any beans growing up. I never ate beans until I changed my diet. And I thought that I didn't like beans, but there are so many different types of beans out there, different textures, different flavors. What are your favorite types of beans? Yeah, well, I would totally agree with it. I always tell people it's not necessarily that they don't, they think they don't like it, but it's more that they don't know how to use them or cook them. So I once had a client who he said that, you know, I'm getting kind of sick of just eating beans. And I'm like, well, how are you eating them? And he was literally just opening a can of black beans and eating them just <laughs> like that. And I was like, I would get bored of eating them like that too. But there's so many other versatile ways to do it. One of my favorite ways to do that is definitely like a burrito bowl where you can do like brown rice or a different type of grain and black beans and some fajita veggies, some lettuce and so forth. But black bean tacos, that's another one of my favorite ways. And then, of course, I'm a big bean burger fan. So 
we do a lot of different bean burgers at our house, but I did not grow up eating any beans other than like Bush's baked beans as a kid. And I thought that I didn't like them. But once you open up that world, man, there's so many more possibilities. And then I also encourage people that if they think that they really don't like beans, try lentils because it's a little bit different flavor, a little bit different texture, and they're even more versatile. So you can do a lot of different things with it. Yeah. And along those lines of beans and legumes, like tofu and tempeh are also in that family. So if somebody doesn't like beans, they can go for that type of product as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will admit that it took me a lot longer to get over to the tofu side of things. Mm. I probably didn't start eating tofu until, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I've been plant-based for five years now. And I I think it was, for me, it was a matter of not really knowing how to cook it or the best way to do it. We have a recipe on our website called Sofritas Tacos. And um, what you do with it is you kind of make it as, it's not like a taco meat, but kind of, and you put taco seasoning in it. Um, And I also have some rice cauliflower and then you season it like you would a taco mix. And I always encourage people, that's one of the best ways to try tofu for the first time. And a lot of the people that have tried the recipe and given me feedback, they agreed that it was one of the best ways to like immerse themselves into trying tofu. And now I my favorite thing is tofu with some sort of Asian sauce and broccoli or cauliflower and a grain. And even my three and a half year old loves it. Yeah. Some other ways that I like tofu as well. I'll I'll definitely link that recipe in the show notes because I know people want that. Brenda Davis, uh, people have uh, listening to the show. I always talk about Brenda and her book, uh, Becoming Vegan. She's a registered dietitian. She's incredible. On her website, she has a recipe called Tofu Unturkey. And it's basically like a basted seasoned turkey. Like it's not turkey, but it's like you would cook it like a turkey in your oven. And we actually make it every other week. It's so good. And it has like just all these different spices. So I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes as well. And then also tofu scrambles. There are tons of different recipes out there for tofu scrambles. And that's another great way to add it in. I wanted to ask you actually about along the lines of hormones and exogenous hormones. People are very concerned about soy Um, They're like, oh, what about the phytoestrogens and soy? So can you speak to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the phytoestrogens in soy are actually protective against cancers. It does get pretty complicated, but I'm going to stay on the surface a little bit and explain. So a while back, we used to think our scientists had did one study between two different types of rodents. So it was a species, like one was a a rat and one was a mouse, okay? They fed them soy. One of the rodents developed breast cancer, the other didn't, okay? So that's where some of this like fear of breast cancer stems from, is from rodent studies. Now, granted, can we learn a lot from rodent studies? Yes, but we always have to keep in mind is that we are not rodents, nor are we Petri dishes, right? So we have to take that data and that research further. So research has actually identified that these phytoestrogens, which are plant-based estrogens, also they're also a type of phytonutrient, which are disease-fighting nutrients, are actually protective against hormonal-based cancers, including breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and prostate cancer. And the reason for that is because we have receptors in our body for our hormones. So receptors are like the lock and the hormone is like the key. Okay, just like you have a lock on a door, that's the receptor, and then the key is the hormone. So only the right key will fit in that lock and open the lock. But if you've ever experienced it, which most people have, certain keys can fit in certain locks, but it doesn't open the lock, right? That key looks really similar. You put it in and you say, Why is this not working? I don't, I can't get it. Okay. Phytoestrogen is a lot like that, it fits into the receptor, the estrogen receptor but it doesn't work on the estrogen receptor, which actually causes a reduction or a more natural balance of estrogen in the body. So that's a really, really positive thing. And research shows that early consumption of soy earlier in childhood and adolescence actually reduces a woman's chance of breast cancer later in life. If you didn't eat soy growing up, it's not too late to start. And the other piece of it is that individual breast cancer patients who have been studied that consume the most amount of soy have a 25% risk reduction of the developing 
breast cancer again. So it is actually protective. Now, what I do recommend from a personal professional standpoint is that you consume organic tofu or soy products because of potential GMOs. And we don't know enough long-term information about that, but it's pretty easy to find that type of product anywhere you go for the most part. So hopefully that will help for your listeners. And what are some other top cancer-fighting foods besides soy? Oh, there's so many, but definitely dark leafy green veggies. So anything from spinach, kale, mustard greens, beet greens. Greens are the healthiest food on the planet, the most nutrient-dense. But the other one that I really highly recommend is broccoli and cauliflower and other cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous uh, essentially means that it grows in a cross formation. So that also includes like Brussels sprouts, if you think about how they the leaves are wrapped over each other. But these cruciferous vegetables have a component called glucosinolates within it, which is one of those phytonutrients that I briefly mentioned before that is pretty much only found in cruciferous vegetables, but are found to have extremely high cancer-fighting products. So the more cruciferous vegetables that can someone consume, the better as well. And then when it comes to fruit, berries have been shown to be the most cancer-protective. But really, truly, any fruit, vegetable, whole grain, or legume is going to be cancer-fighting. And even some nuts and seeds have great disease-fighting properties to them as well. I could go on and on about cancer-fighting foods. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, as an oncology dietitian, that's what you do all day. So can you talk about what your job is like and like the type of people you meet with and how you help them? Sure, absolutely. So I used to work at a regional cancer center here in the Milwaukee area. I started an oncology nutrition program at the cancer center and I worked there for five years. And after a little while, I was finding that there's patients that were coming to me from outside of that cancer center that were looking for help and wanted to work with me. But I was only able to work with them if they were treated within the cancer center that I worked at. So when my husband was working a lot and pre-kid, um, I was like, oh, I think I'll just start my side business of Wholesome and be able to help more people. So it started like that. And as a couple of years went on, it continued to grow and grow and the demand continued to grow. So I took the leap actually at the end of 2018 to work in Wholesome exclusively. So now I work, I run my private practice and I work, I think 75%, I would say of my patients are cancer patients. The other 25% are autoimmune people that are just looking to achieve a healthier weight or achieve a plant-based diet. But what I do particularly with the cancer patients is I can work with people during the course of treatment and we focus on helping them improve their diet so that they can tolerate treatment as best as possible. So that includes management of side effects, also helping them maintain their weight if they're struggling to eat, but also after treatment, I work with a lot of people to help reduce their risk of developing recurrence. And it's definitely focused on a plant-based diet. I always tell people that you don't have to be 100% whole food plant-based or choosing to go that way to work with me. But I always tell people just know that I'm going to encourage a more plant-based diet as a result. And so I help them. It's pretty much like a health coaching type with an emphasis on cancer. And because I'm board certified in oncology nutrition, um, I have that special certification that can help me take it a step further than somebody else that's not necessarily in the oncology nutrition field. So it's a pretty, I mean... I love my job so much and I get to work with people all over the country and even Canada and I get to work with various different cancer types, different ages and the best part of my job is just seeing people make those improvements and feel well and give them some control in their life when they feel that control is completely out of their hands because of cancer treatment and really empowering them to improve their life and, you know, take their life in their hands as much as possible. And do you encourage them to do other things? Because you mentioned health coaching, which encompasses more than just diet. Absolutely. I'm really, truly focused on the whole person. I always tell people my scope of practice is nutrition with a little bit of that emphasis in fitness because I do have my master's degree in fitness as well. So I'm going to focus mostly on nutrition, but I'm going to ask them about their exercise or their movement. How well are they sleeping? What is their everyday like? Because 
sometimes we'll talk about, you know, kids nutrition, or we'll talk about um, their stress at work, because, and sometimes you're like, Oh, I'm sorry, we're talking about this. This isn't nutrition related. But it is nutrition related, because those stressors in your life or the lack of sleep or kids, you know, having to parent with kids and so forth, that directly impacts the choices that you make throughout the day. So we're focusing on all those different things as well. And I guess the clients you have wouldn't come to you if they weren't interested in making changes because there's a lot of people that have autoimmune diseases or they say they have cancer or they have other lifestyle diseases, but they aren't willing to change their diet or they just don't believe the science to change their diet. And for me, like it's hard to talk about because I get frustrated whenever I know that this will help you so, so much. And then people just won't do it. And so how do you overcome that in your practice? Yeah, that's very, very true. So, you know, I do a lot of education through social media and my blog and talking about the education about the whole food plant-based diet and how it's beneficial. And I find that can be a great starting point to get people to think about changes in their diet, but they usually don't reach out to me, you're right, until they're ready to make some of those changes. And you know, as much as I wish, you know, we could just give someone all the motivation and the tools they need to go from not even thinking about it to putting it into action. But somebody has to be ready and willing to be able to do that themselves. Because as much as sometimes I wish I could just go over there and hold their hand and do it for them, that it can't be done like that. You know, when I moved home from college, um, I was at home for a little while before I got married. And I helped my dad by making his lunch and making his dinner and he lost 20 pounds. But the the problem with that is that I didn't teach him how to do it on his own. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to really teach people how to do it on their own and motivate them to move forward to keep doing it. Because when we're done working together, I want you to them to be able to sustain those lifestyle habits. Um, But I believe that the power in education is really what's going to be helpful to, you know, drive someone from that pre-contemplative state to that contemplative state. And I do the best that I can in educating that, but really kind of wait for them to make that decision to work with me because then we're ready to go. So the biggest question that I get almost daily is how do I change my diet? I, I've heard all your podcasts, Sonia. I, I love this. I want to change my diet. And I tend to say, well, here's here's some great cookbooks or here's a good framework, but I don't think that that's enough. And I think that speaks to what you just said of you can make food for people, but they ultimately need to know how to do it on their own. So like, what advice do you have for people when they come to me and they say, I want to change my diet, but I, I, how do I do this? And because I don't, I, what I'm saying isn't good enough. So I'd love to get better advice on that too. Yeah, well, my first absolute recommendation is to focus on adding before subtracting. Sometimes if you if you focus on somebody saying like, okay, we're never going to eat dairy again, we're never going to eat meat again, we're never going to eat, you know, white flour again, that is, that is a lot to handle mentally. But if we can encourage someone to focus on, okay, let's just simply add more fruits and vegetables to your diet. Let's simply start trying different recipes that have legumes in it and don't necessarily worry about how much dairy or meat or whatever is in their diet. Because as you know, by adding more of these fiber rich foods, it's going to start crowding out some of those other foods because it's going to fill them up and be more satiating. And what also I use as a motivator for them to keep going and trying new things is how good they'll feel just simply by adding. And they're like, oh, I feel a little bit better today. I want to try something new and keep going from there. So the first thing is add before you subtract. The next thing is focus on just having one plant-based meal a week or two or three, depending on where you are. Um, you know, the the movement of meatless Monday, which is really the idea of having a meat-free dinner on Mondays, menu plan throughout that and try several different, you know, whether you're like, okay, I'm just going to do a, have one plant-based meal this week. And then slowly start increasing that because I think where people get stuck is that they're far too overwhelmed. You know, I'll give you an example. I have a client who um, eats out very, very frequently, lunch and dinner, fast food, etc. And, you know, she wanted to make the goal for herself that she would limit eating out to three times per week, got back to her the next time. And it was way too overwhelming. She didn't even she didn't even meet her goal or get it even close to it. So I said, let's reestablish this goal. Let's make it something that's a little bit more easy to um, frame in your mind, right? So the next goal was truly to eat one meal at home every day, right? So it doesn't stop her from going out to eat, 
but it does in, in, encourage her to think about eating at least one of those meals at home. She far surpassed that goal and started eating even more plant-based meals at home as a result. So, you know, we have to take some of that overwhelm away from people. And that's kind of where we are meeting them with where they're at and take them to where they want to be. And that's where working with someone can be super helpful um, to help you achieve your goals. And sometimes people will say like, Allison, I know this stuff. I, and I, so I don't, I just don't know why I can't combine it. And sometimes we just need to hear it from somebody else. We need somebody else to help hold us accountable to it. And, and that's where it really starts. So add before you subtract, start small and just keep moving forward. What about people who hate to cook? Like it sounds like the person that eats out hates to cook. And I've had some friends that say, I would totally eat plant-based, but I hate cooking. Well, and I think, again, that what's individualized about that is where is that individual's finances lie, right? That has, And the reason I say that is because can they afford to purchase meals that are already pre-made for them, such as Daily Harvest or Leafside, right? Some of these meals that require just water or a blender. They can be pretty expensive, though, and not everybody has that capability. But what I like to do is work with them, okay, what are quick, easy, convenience-type meals that you can throw together really quickly at the grocery store? Um, and um, actually, within my within my practice, all of my clients get access to my online meal planning program. And within that online meal planning program, they can take they can put all of their likes and their dislikes in it. And what we can do is we can rank, um, we can filter it from easy, intermediate, and advanced recipes and how much time they have to cook. So if you bring it down, if you press easy and 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes for every single meal, that's all the time you have to put together, you'll find more recipes that are like, okay, here's this Amy's enchilada frozen meal that you can add a bed of greens to in this and make it a lot easier. So that has been found to be helpful for a lot of my clients is that they get access to that and it's custom to them. And I have some people that love to spend time in the kitchen and they'll increase that menu plan to 60 minutes in that in for dinner time, right? They love to cook, but it takes into account those needs for them when they don't like cooking too. And that's available for anybody that's not a client as well. It can just be purchased on our website. We offer a seven-day free trial of it too. And what's the website? It's wholesomellc.com. All right, we'll make sure that we link then, that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and also another thing, like I, I've mentioned Dr. Gregor a few times. I just really love the work that he's doing, nutritionfacts.org. He has an app called The Daily Dozen that's free, and it's also about adding in foods. And it, he has in there all the things that you said, berries, cruciferous vegetables, whole grains. It's, it's so awesome, the work that you guys are all doing. Oh, well, oh, gosh, Dr. Greger's work is fantastic. And Dr. Barnard, I mean, the list could go on and on about um, some incredible pioneers in the plant-based nutrition world. And I think it's so great to hear that so many more people are practicing it and spreading knowledge because I think it's starting to definitely catch on and see so many even more success stories about it, too. I want to talk about at least two more things, but two more. So one, yeah. it's, it's back to the hormones and hormone regulation menopause. And I know that's that's talked about in your body imbalance as well. I have a friend who's going through menopause and she's like, ah, oh, like I'm gaining all this weight and I feel terrible. Will a plant-based diet help her? 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, first thing when I think about menopause is hot flashes and ground flaxseed, for example, can actually help reduce those hot flashes. And what it can do is it can just help like even though someone goes through menopause and you know postmenopausal, they don't have the same estrogen that they once do. It still helps naturally regulate that, but the joint pain, the hot flashes, and the weight gain is so much more uh, manageable on a plant-based diet. Now, I do tell people that you know postmenopausal, it can be a little bit more difficult to lose weight, but it does not mean that it's impossible. And I've seen lots of success stories of people that, um, you know, achieve a healthy weight through menopause by adopting a whole food plant-based diet. So a hundred percent. And like of all of this, you know, when we're talking about different people in their different places, one of the highest things that I recommend to people is give your, try it for one week. Okay. If you try a whole food plant-based diet for one week, give it your full go because mentally you can you're not telling yourself you're never going to have dairy again you're never going to have meat again but after that one week notice how you feel 
Because if you start noticing those changes, which likely you would, you would be motivated to keep on trying and try it a little bit longer and a little bit longer and notice the the more energy you have, the better skin complexion you have, how much better you sleep at night, your improved performance if you're exercising. Just give it one week to start and then, you know, keep going from there. And that's kind of what happened to me. I just said um, on the meat part of it, I just said one September, I was like, I think I'm going to be a vegetarian this month. And I never went back to it because I felt so much better without it. So people will say to me, Allison, what can you eat or what can't you eat? And I was like, I can eat whatever I want, but what I choose to eat is different. And it's based on what makes me feel well. Those foods don't make me feel well anymore. And they likely never did because I had GI issues before that matter better improved and gone from that standpoint too. So just start with where you are and, you know, give it a shot. Yeah, a really interesting thing about cleaning up your diet is with COVID, like my husband and I, we don't eat out a lot, but like we stopped eating out completely during COVID. We just cooked everything at home. And now that like restrictions are a little bit lifted, sometimes we get takeout and the takeout is kind of like junk food, like a vegan pizza, which is white flour crust. And, and we, we don't like the diet cheese. So we just get like white flour crust, no cheese. It has the red sauce and then vegetables. And I had that last night and I felt sick after I ate it because I'm not used to eating like white flour with oil on it. And it's just crazy how adapted yeah. your body gets and how in tune to your body you actually become. Absolutely. hundred percent. We prefer to make pizza homemade at home now. And we make um, like a mozzarella, like a cashew mozzarella that is just cashews with a little bit nutritional yeast and garlic powder. Um, and you blend it all together and you put it on the stove and it kind of thickens up a little bit way better than any vegan cheese I've ever had. And it's still whole food plant-based. That's awesome. Let's talk about kids because I had some family visiting and they said, oh, because I and I made veggie burgers with beans and oats and spices and all those things. And they're like, well, I like this, but I don't think my kids are going to eat this. What about people who are saying that they they want to be able to help help their kids be healthier, but their kids just don't like the food? Well, this is a whole, yeah, absolutely other conversation to be had. But the later you start, the harder it is. Okay, so if your kids are already like 10, 12, and they're teenagers, it doesn't mean that you can't make improvements, but you're going to have to have a lot of different conversations with them because they know what they've been eating for quite some time. Whereas, you know, my daughter, who's three and a half, she doesn't know any different, right? But the biggest thing to keep in mind is that your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching what you eat. And when it comes to, especially if you have younger kids, what really is important to keep in mind is the feeding relationship. Okay. So this doesn't tie, you know, quite apply to your son right now. Cause I think you said he's what, three, <laughs> three or months four old. months old or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't apply. Right. Cause you're, he's still consuming just breast milk or formula or whatever it may be. Right. But when they, when they get to about a, a year or so, what starts coming into play is a different change in their feeding relationship. The relationship of feeding from parents to kids is that the parent decides what and when and the child decides how much, okay? So all too often, many people will make two different meals or three different meals, depending on how many kids they have. They'll make it for the parents and then the child, or sometimes, you know, if they have multiple children that like one thing or don't like the other thing. That is kind of a recipe for disaster because your child is learning that you will make them another meal anytime they want. Okay. And so when you stick with them, when you decide what and when, and they decide how much this relationship is hard to stick with it. If it's, especially if your kids are a little bit older and you need to start teaching this process, but it really works and it encourages them to have more of an intuitive eating type style around food for them to understand their hunger and fullness cues. And they're more inclined to try new foods when you don't pressure them and say, Hey, you need to finish this before you can have that, right? And so we're teaching them kind of the wrong way when we do that. But if instead you say, okay, as the parent, you decide that there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe one or two snacks in between, your child gets used to knowing that's when mealtime is. So I'll give you an example. My daughter will say, like, sometimes at dinner time, she's like, I'm not hungry. And else our response is, you don't have to eat. This, this is what's for dinner tonight. You don't have to eat. But just so you know, the next time we're going to eat a meal is not until breakfast the next morning. 
Okay. So you're giving him or her some security, right? About that food is coming again and that you'll, you'll, you'll get to eat. But what some people get worried about is, okay, if they don't eat their dinner, maybe I should offer them a snack you know, in two hours so that they can eat. Well, then you just told your child that they're going to be able to ask you for a snack whenever they want. And you're going to give it to them because you're too fearful about them not eating. Okay. Are you following along so far? Well, what if, what if they're like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm so hungry. I can't sleep because I didn't eat dinner. Yep. That has happened to us. (laughs) And our response is, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but then you should have eaten your dinner. (laughs) And, but the thing is, so keep in mind is that as long as a child is presented food, they will not go hungry. Okay. It's a different line from not having food available, right? Many of us thankfully live in the area that food is available whenever we want it to, right? But most kids will be like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. And I'm going to tell mom, no, I'm not going to eat that. And in an hour or two, they say, mom, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? Well, the mom wants to give them a snack because they didn't eat their meal and they're worried about getting their nutrition, but that child is being trained that they can get that snack whenever they want. So it's, it's, it's very hard to implement at first, especially if it's new to a family. And that's where you have to create that sense of security too, right? So we want our daughter to know that they're thankfully that we do have enough food on the table, that there is going to be another opportunity for food and when that opportunity is is going to be available so that she's not scared that food's not going to be available. And it's hard. And granted, the mom and the dietitian in me sometimes just really battle because I'm like, no, I want her to eat her cauliflower and her fruit and her veggies. But she chooses just to eat this one particular thing. But I can... I can tell you from experience, the more you stick to that relationship, the easier it gets. And, you know, at first, you know, I struggled helping with some of my clients with it because I didn't want to teach them how to parent. But feeding is a type of parenting. And people have to keep that in mind. And if people are interested in more like of this division of responsibility information, there's a dietitian called Ellen Satter, who's kind of like this world renowned, uh, renowned pediatric nutrition dietitian who kind of talks about this, the, the feeding relationship of what and when and how much. Awesome. That's a really great resource. Thank you. I'm going to be checking her out. Yeah. Yeah, I have Disease Proof Your Child with Dr. Joel Furman, and he actually gives the same advice as you did is like, this is what's for dinner. And when they get hungry enough, they're going to eat it. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, the other side of that I'll put on that is, you know, I don't expect my three-year-old to eat like a big, huge salad like we might be doing. But what I'll do is I'll like deconstruct the meal. So, you know, if we have beans and let's just say it has beans and cauliflower greens and like something else, I'll put those individual on her plate and a small amount of it all together so that because a kid isn't necessarily going to eat something all mished together. And that's more because of textures and so forth. So we'll deconstruct a meal or like if we're going to eat chili, for example, I'll put like the beans and the tomatoes and it's separate and a little serving of it all together. So you're introducing it to them, but you're also having them in more familiar ways that they're used to seeing it. What about older kids that are maybe like going to friends' houses or they're just like, fine, I won't eat at home at all. Then I'll just go eat elsewhere. So I personally, as a parent, have not encountered that. (laughs) So because my daughter's really young, but I will tell you what I plan my approach to be is that the approach that we talk about at our home is that I can't control what my children will eat when they're teenagers, right? Or when they are other kids' houses and so forth. But what I can teach them is, you know, what this is, we eat plant-based at home. Um, I can help teach them to have a healthy foundation of food and a healthy relationship with food. And as they get older, just like, you know, all things of being a kid, we're teaching them how to be independent, even though we don't want them to be independent in some places, (laughs) right? So there's only so much you can do at that point. But, you know, if you can help teach them the healthy foundation, and establish that foundation at home, what they do outside the home isn't as important, right? It's a matter of what they do most of the time rather than just every once in a while. So I think that definitely takes into account an individual family and where they're at and, you know, maybe a little bit more individual guidance on that, but that's how we plan on approaching it. Awesome. And do you work one-on-one with people that aren't oncology or autoimmune patients, like maybe just athletes that are like, I want, I want help changing my diet. I want one-on-one. 
Yep, absolutely. I offer one-on-one um, individual counseling for pretty much anyone and everyone. I offer a you know a free initial call to kind of learn their goals and what they're looking for. And I will be the first and foremost to tell them if I'm not the fit to work with them, because I think that's what's really important is that we are a good fit, that I can help them achieve their goals and that personally and my personality and my approach to nutrition fits them as well, because I don't believe in spending money working individually if we're, if we're not going to be a good fit. So um, that's kind of what that discovery call is for. Um, but yeah, I see lots of different clientele. Cool. And we're, so is that at Wholesome LLC as well? Or Yep. all Everything can be found at Wholesome LLC and you can click under the tab that says individual counseling and you can fill out a form and that goes right to me and then we can set up a call if we think we're a good fit from there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. We talked about some things that actually haven't come up in other podcasts with plant-based guests. So I'm really, really excited about that and just really excited to know you and see what we can do in the future together too. Yeah, that would be so awesome. I'm excited that we've been able to connect this way and I look forward to you know continuing to listen to your podcast and other guests that you have too. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I loved Allison. And in fact, after we finished recording, we sat around and chatted for quite some time just because we have so much in common. The resources mentioned in the show are in the show notes. There's a resources and books mentioned section as well as her recipe and go to wholesomellc.com for even more resources. Thanks again for coming back, hitting subscribe and sharing the show with your friends. I'm looking forward to every single week with you guys. I'm with you on this journey of growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day.